we did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. Hi everybody, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicle Stories of the Supernatural. And the following is an interview that I did with Jim Mallard from his radio podcast show, The Mallard Report. We had a great time talking, of course, about everything paranormal. And here it is. interested back in the 90s well yeah i'm sure you've heard a version of this somewhere along the line which is you know when you're a kid you know you you read books about ghosts and you know and of course back then there was no reality shows none of the stuff and it was very limited and you know they had some shows like in search of leonard nimoy and that was it and then you know i i, I was always it was i was always interested in it and then i i started accompanying some people uh as far as uh, on some cases, and I joined a research foundation that covers the state of Florida. And what I liked about their approach was that they first they they first did a scientific strictly. And by the way, this was prior to any of the reality shows, prior to Ghost Hunters, prior to any of this, where they did a scientific approach, a visit totally separate, and then if anything was found, then they would go back for a second one to find out what happened. Uh, so that's how I got involved with it. And like I tell everybody, back then, uh, reliability, not that many people were willing to do it, uh, professionalism. And by this, I mean, when I started back in the 90s, most people did not want a van to pull up in the front of their house and spill out a bunch of people with equipment. Uh, if, if Because usually by the time they actually contacted somebody, they had pro they had already gone through a list of clergy, uh, sometimes even mental health people, um, sometimes had even reached out to maybe a local university depending on where they lived. So they were and they were really scared whether there was something paranormal or not. So after a while, and I was always a freelancer. I worked with a lot of different groups, and I was reliable and I was professional and very important. I knew how to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> People don't realize <laughs> now, you know, in the era of reality TV where everybody wants to talk about it. And, you know, back then, uh, you know, that, that was really important. Um, and little by little, you just start being called in. I, I, I did a lot of fill-ins for people that uh, I was willing to drive a little bit. I, I, they would call me in for a lot of the things down in South Florida. I'm bilingual, uh, especially if um, sometimes there was... 
some type of maybe involvement of uh, Santeria or some of the Afro-Caribbean uh, religious something in 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 the mix that they feared or that they didn't understand I would go in on it with them uh, again I traveled and I, I filled in a bunch of times and I was really good on the pre-interview with um, with clients you know basically and which is what I like because a lot of people think even back then that if you were into this you were willing to believe everything was paranormal and it was the other way around you're at least for myself and I know for what these are what I call hardcore investigators by the way there's very few of us in the United States these are people that have done it for a really long time uh, still do it and they're the the standards they set as far as what's truly paranormal is very high however they do that because just uh, everyone that I know of that will fall into this group has had a legitimate supernatural experience usually more than once so they kind of differentiate between sensationalism or people getting working themselves priming themselves to take something that's really not that significant or questionable and make it into like what this is really paranormal you know on the contrary so like I said I worked with a lot of different groups and I've always been a freelancer and reliability and then it just evolves and then of course you know we the last few years that we got into the reality TV thing many many years ago I you know I, I got contacted by some companies do you got cases I go yeah I got a bunch of them but these are private homes I could not divulge you know what happened which by the way this is where you see a good concentration of truly disturbing cases is in private homes all right I would say the exception to them as far as historical landmarks would be asylums or prisons those right there you're guaranteed you're gonna uh, have some type of hauntings besides residual and they're usually there's a, a good chance that a lot of them are dark uh, but besides that uh, private homes and of course you know you can't break confidentiality even if it's years afterwards with uh, with what happened there especially if there was something actually that was taking place uh, and then you know it led me in the last few years to to write about it I've done podcasts I have you know I have emails stretching back till like the early 2000s of people would email me their stories or things that would happen to them just you know things that occurred to them they never understood why it happened or what it was or you know sometimes they moved away in other words there was just something that occurred to them and I've got a bunch of those stories that I received throughout the years that people would just send me their emails and it's surprising because I think that in some cases I was the only one that knew that story because people were very hesitant to share it even with friends family members because it, they they got I got scared or they thought they were gonna get looked at like what what are you talking about yeah <laughs> that kind of deal so yeah yeah it is far easier to share a story of a stranger that well, isn't in the same room with you than somebody you know well or a sympathetic ear at the very least or somebody that they think hey but this person's seen or heard it all so they're not gonna be like oh well, you're crazy or something <laughs> like that <laughs> Oh, we definitely are crazy, but that's here and there. Oh, well, I mean, but, you know, uncertifiable. <laughs> I don't know. Pretending to be normal or what I say. Why be normal? That's kind of boring. But, uh, yeah. So it, it's one of those things that you, you kind of work. Just It just evolves. You know, you don't really have a starting point or an ending point. It just 
just keeps going and another year goes by and another event or another case or another call. I do a lot of consulting now with a lot of different groups. A lot of different people that know me will call me and consult with me to, you know, asking me questions about certain things. What do I think about certain things? Um, and again, I've seen a lot of groups come and go. That's why I'm saying I know who are the really, um, who are the investigators out there that really know what's going on as far as the paranormal or working in the paranormal with the paranormal. Oh, without question. It, it those are the people who, Oh snap. I just had this, um, this image. I don't go to many of these events or conferences, anything mm -hmm. like I probably, let's see, it's been two years since I, I went, went to one. I've right. probably mm -hmm. been to six total and right. you know, 10 years that I've been either doing a show or investigating. Mm -hmm. So I don't frequent them office often mm -hmm. because of moments like this. I was walking around this one event and I got to the, the corner and started around the corner and on the banner on the front of the table. Wow. Uh, how was it worded? <laughs> See our famous YouTube series and whatever, you know, whatever name of the group was. Right. Right. I'm like, Oh, okay. See our famous. Right. So, <laughs> always uh, I'm sure any of my listeners will vouch for this there's if I don't have my phone in my hand it's in my pocket it's like never too far away from me so I go to YouTube search this famous YouTube series and they have 17 subscribers okay well what can I say and I'm like famous <laughs> and then well, I started looking at the view counts on the videos and I'm like there are more people in the room than this subjective <laughs> it's a subjective term it's a subjective term it really is. Um, I want to say the last time I, I, I've not, I haven't been that. Often. I think the last conference I was was like Scarefest, like in 2017. That was the last one I went to. Uh, you know, and it was interesting because I got out to speak to a lot of people. You know, I like speaking to paranormal investigators. I love it, but I love speaking to ordinary people that tell you these stories. That that's that's really what I like. You know, when they, they and sometimes, like I said, I don't need an explanation. You know, I don't, you know, sometimes, which there sometimes there isn't, but I love to hear these stories about experiences that people have had. And that's, that's the one thing I could say that's a good place to find out about it. But yes, I, I know what you're saying as far as uh, sensationalism being the main, <laughs> the main idea behind the group. And then uh, the, the time before that, I went to this event and I just seriously made a loop around, a loop around the room, right? Didn't pass out any business cards. Didn't say hello to anybody. I just kind of walked around, walked back outside. And I, because uh, so I knew somebody was out smoking, you know, I'm like, oh, okay. So I just walked in, you know, re-emission, whatever. I just wanted to see what was going on in there. And next thing I know, there are 25 people in this circle around me. We're all, you know, like people I know, people that want to, you know, uh -huh. get to know me because of this, that, or the other. And I'm like, if you're all out here, <laughs> who's in there? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, um, and, and you know what? I'm telling you, some of the best, most authentic, interesting, disturbing, whatever you want to call it, stories I've gotten just by sheer chance. You know, when you, somebody, you start talking to somebody, just sometimes even about other things. And, or, but of course, if you're at a place, I like, say, for example, like Scarefest, but if it's happened to me in other places where, you know, um, conversations go in that direction or like you said somebody will come up to you and they'll start talking but these are ordinary people what i mean by that is that they're not paranormal investigators or anything and then they'll start telling you uh these these stories that 
they're like that you're like what in the world this is way out there this is great and totally totally different setting from what you would think that you would hear all these ghost stories or paranormal stories or creepy stories whatever uh yeah that that's happened to me uh where people or people seek you out like i said sympathetic you'd be surprised sometimes people just are wanting to like i need to tell somebody about what happened to me you know I've got a story for that too. This when did this when did this become story time with me? I don't know. Then right now it just became story time with Jim. Let's go. <laughs> so I, I was at a flea market at the mall. Kind of hokey, right? But anyways, <laughs> I like it because it was indoors and air conditioning, right? So I'm there. Um, I'm not sure how it brings business to the people that are actually in business there, but nevertheless, uh, <laughs> I was walking around and this old gentleman, not old older gentleman, yeah, old. Um, Walks up to me. I've got my local team hat on. That's it. And I'm not, you know, I'm not like kind of throwing it out there or anybody. You know, I'm just kind of wearing a hat. And this older guy walks up to me and puts my puts his arm right around my hip. And I'm like, oh, hello. <laughs> not, you know. No boundaries. No body boundaries. Yeah, I'm like, Is that what you <laughs> No yeah, body like, space boundaries. Like, okay. You know. And he says to me, he looks, you know, I look at him. He's like, I have to tell somebody. But I don't know how to tell anybody. I'm like. Okay. You know, I'm just kind of in this weird, weird sense. He's like, my wife passed six months ago, and I've seen her most every day since then. Ooh, okay. But my kids would think I was nuts if I told them. Yeah. And probably put me in the home. Yeah. But I had to tell somebody it would believe me. And I said, well, tell her you love her every time you see her, and don't tell your kids. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, you believe me? I'm like, yeah, well, of course. That you, how long were you married? You know, and then how long were you married? And we talked, you know, mm-hmm. over 50 years and, you know, yeah. yeah, there it is. Yeah. That happens more, more often than people think. Yeah. So. Absolutely. And, you know, Isn't that a few a minutes story? later, he, a few minutes later, he was, he was happy and. Yeah. And I was happy to have heard it. So. Yes. Yes. And, and you know what? And when you speak to people like that, you could tell it's not like like a wishful thing, like, oh, I wish or, you know, that they're kind of conjuring this person up yeah. because they miss them. This is they're legitimately, you know, just because they're old, it's not like they're like they've lost touch with reality. Uh, yeah, I, I, I can see that happening. And I absolutely understand that part where he's he's kind of being a realist. If I say this to my kids, you know where I'm going. Yeah. So. And he was not ready for it. I could tell you that. It's like, yeah, uh-huh, <laughs> of course, of course, of course, you know. So, yeah, it's uh, sometimes that that happens a lot with people. That's why I'm saying uh, sometimes I've heard stories of people saying, you know, I've never told anybody. And they really mean I've never told any about this that it happened because disbelief um, sometimes even, you know, if they have a certain job, they don't want it, the story to get out. Uh, it could be a whole range of reasons or sometimes it takes them a while. You know how when people have something happen to them that, for lack of a better word, it's kind of almost traumatic when it's something with a paranormal that's like in your face. It's almost like if I talk about it, it'll really make it real. Let me see how far along I can go trying to make myself believe it was just my imagination <laughs> before I realize, no, it wasn't. I have to accept it. Yeah, it's amazing how far you can wonder sometimes if that really happened or not. Oh yeah, of course, of course, yeah. I... So, so my chatter. I'm waving hello to um, WR250 in Germantown running. Oh hi Harry, I didn't see you pop in, and my my buddy Roy, he's been listening the last few weeks. 
they're popping all sorts of good questions up, so I'm trying to. Well, I'm reading them at least. I'll, I'll, I'll admit I'll probably never get to all of them today, but they're they're good. And to make my job easier or difficult, I'm not sure which, but we'll say easy just because they're listening. Um, <laughs> they want they want me to ask you about how technology has changed how people paranormal investigate. Well, I tell everybody when I started doing it was when you had to pay to develop film. How's that? <laughs> okay. Yeah, and... People don't realize once upon a time. <laughs> and especially in this type of stuff, you could spend a lot of money. Even if you said that, you know, to these really cheap labs, you could, you got a lot of pictures of the dark, you know, or, you know, things like that. So yes, back then it was easier and more difficult. It was easier because of course you didn't have all the equipment and stuff that you got now which sometimes I think tend to be a little bit distracting because you get so caught up because people don't realize, yes, even even though, uh, you know, some of these things are automated, but other sometimes you might even need a person to be monitoring some cameras or if you've got something that's picking up some type of information. And if you're limited on your team member, you know, the warm bodies, it, it can, you end up paying worrying or paying more attention to your equipment than actually investigating. And since the supernatural is not an on-demand thing, sometimes the best thing you could do is to be in a certain place, like sit down, be quiet, and observe without a bunch of stuff going on. But if you're attending to a bunch of equipment because you don't have enough people to be monitoring or be what they say at the nerve center, your, your investigation suffers for it. Back then, you had maybe some, you know, you could take a base temperature reading, you had cameras, you had cassette players, you know, things to record. And of course, you had the, the little Radio Shack digital recorders, you know, it kind of evolved, but it was more basic EMF. You have to be real careful with EMF. That's so many false positives and stuff like that. So for lack of a, I myself, I used a lot i have had dowsing rods for the last 15 years which are excellent as far as i'm concerned from my own personal use uh they're very um they're slower uh but they're as far as i'm concerned they're very accurate especially because let's say if you're engaged in some type of you're actually conversing with a an entity you're you're limited to yes or no type of questions okay um and on a segue off of that, I, I did also alternative hypnotherapy, which is, you know, I did the regular stop smoking, you know, weight control, but I did alternative hypnotherapy, which included spirit, spirit attachments. Um, as far as, uh, you know, people that have, have uh, attachments within the aura of their body. And sometimes, by the way, this is not out and out possession or obsession or anything like that this is something a little bit less depending on what it is sometimes the spirit attachment was somebody known sometimes it was an attachment totally no no connection whatsoever with a person something that they picked up uh for different a variety of reasons so i mean i've handled it both from a paranormal investigation setting uh to a clinical setting where you're working with somebody because they're, this is affecting them and you basically you converse or you explore that possibility via hypnosis. So yeah, it's that it's, and I'm going to say also the advent of the reality shows 
sometimes, I want to say, unfortunately, also prime people for jumping to the supernatural conclusion too quick. Uh, and it's like, I, I'm going to, for all those people out there, in some cases, in reality, that's not what you want. Because I think sometimes people think it's fun and they don't understand really what are the pitfalls of having a true paranormal, uh, how can I say, event, especially if it has any malevolence to it. It's a, hor it's a horrible thing. And I've been on cases where uh, you can tell that the whoever's there is eager. They want the ghost and scarier the better. And it's like, you really don't know what you're asking for. <laughs> they don't. They really don't because it's... They, they think that when they get tired of it, you know, like they can put it away in the closet and that's it. And that's not the way it works. They find out the, the hard way that that's not the way it works. Well, that's the way they think it should work. So that's the way it works. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> yes. And then surprise. It's that's not what it turns out to be. Yeah, I, I, I can't. I can't personally, Dallas. I start shaking like a leaf. Mm -hmm. um, it's just I walk in. Just bad shoulders and stuff. That's but I right. I totally am down for when people want to do that, and I find when I was investigating more frequently than I am now mm -hmm. that the equipment, like you said, the equipment became burdensome. Yeah, like trying to get it set up and without fail, the best thing that happens all night is two two minutes before you you're, you're heading out the door after you packed everything, everything up. <laughs> Everything's in the case, ready to go, and somebody, you know, you'll look up and you'll be like, oh, right there, right there in front of me. Oh. And you go to grab for the camera that you know you had on your neck all night, and it's not there because it's in the case, in the case, and ready to go, and you're like, well, yep. You know I, might as well throw all that, I might as well just throw all those memory cards away and Let me not even worry about Jim. it. Cause... We, this happened to us <clears throat> more than once. Normally, you know, sometimes we would arrive in different cars in investigation, right? So... We would usually, what we would do is, you know, we're not going to stand out in front of the people's house. So we would say, look, let's meet at the parking lot of the Burger King or the gas station. You know, let's like leave so we could just have like a quick 10 or 15 minute meeting and then everybody go their own way. You know, whatever. It wouldn't be the first time. By the way, what, 95% of the time, by the time we left, it was late. It was usually 11, 12, 1, 2, 3 in the morning, depending, depending on what the duration of the investigation was. And we would pull in and we just more than once we had really weird stuff happen around us while we're standing there talking in a kind of empty parking lot. We had experiences of one time we're standing there and it's like, I want to maybe four to six of us, something like that. And again, it was, I want to say, if I remember, it was like the parking lot of a gas station, but it was empty. We were off to the side. And all of a sudden, we're hearing like a group of people talking. But you know when you're talking amongst yourself and the, it doesn't intrude on you and then all of a sudden, you're like, hey, who is that? You know, but you know when you hear like voices, but then you're looking <laughs> around and you're like, what, you know, who's talking? That happened, I want to say, on more than one occasion, okay? We could never find the source of it. There was absolutely no, this, and this, by the way, this wasn't a radio. This wasn't, this was a murmur of a conversation going on. Okay. Uh, another time we had somebody, um, that we heard stuff we had parked and we, you know, we usually parked and we would just stand around next to our cars. You know, everybody would just pull up 
And uh, one time with this this lady, and she, she had to take drive by back by herself. We heard something thumping in the trunk of her car. And everybody looked at each other like, did you hear that? Yeah, I heard that. And we're looking at her like, well, what did you put in your trunk? <laughs> She's looking at us like, what? There's nothing in my trunk. And, you know, everybody's like, what? So, of course, it was like, you need to open your trunk. She opens the trunk. There's nothing in the trunk. It's like, you know, stuff, normal stuff that people put in their trunk. You know, not messy, not, not nothing. But, and it sounded, it wasn't like, oh, you know, something that might have fallen over. It was heard like, almost like I want to say for lack of a better, something that was alive. Like if you put a cat, a dog or something, it's thumping around. And then she goes around and this was around the time, you know, when the Beanie Babies were really big, that everybody was collecting Beanie Babies and all that stuff. And <laughs> she had a few of them uh, in the dashboard of her car. So she goes around and all of a sudden she comes back to us and she's, her face is like, white like beyond white it was like she's like you're not gonna believe this and we're like what now you know what so uh she's like the beanie babies and we're like the beanie babies what happened you know like what she she found them flung like around her car she's had like three or something on her dashboard or something like that and she's like they were there when i pulled up and we're like and you know what it's really funny because when you think of it it's not really menacing per se it's somebody flung beanie babies around the inside your car <laughs> but what i'm saying is that sometimes you would have things like this happen exactly like what you said nobody nobody we weren't investigating we weren't we were just re, you know talking about what, what did you think and what, what happened with you and and things happened so it, nobody was filming it nobody was recording it nobody was nothing all we had were each other as witnesses and that was it and that people don't realize that when you do investigation that happens a lot of times or like what you described, after you've packed up the last thing or rolled up, you know, unplugged it, then, you know, you get the, the show going. Uh, yeah, that's, so yeah, that's I, for sure. Yeah, we've I've had a lot of experiences, uh, you know, along those lines before and after investigations where it's like, uh, you know what, I, I know what I'm hearing or what I'm experiencing and forget it. You know, I just I, I just know it, you know things along those lines so so let's um have some fun here for a second sure. is there a because I, I mean we're on the doorsteps of halloween yes right? yes i think everybody's eyes are right there especially in our community so to speak i mean that's like the the uh, the big ticket right mm -hmm. is there a, a season that it's more active or it i mean i guess there's a tv show that has a particular time <clears throat> or is this all just kind of uh magic well and it's just not accurate okay this is what i <clears throat> this is what i found yes of course halloween and you know and of course the what they say oh, that the veil is the thinnest between the worlds blah 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 okay my experience what happens is the more people try to communicate with the other side the more activity you're going to get okay so of course what does a lot of people do in halloween Stuff that they don't do in the rest of the year. You know, or when when I say Halloween, I mean Halloween time. <clears throat> you know, that you go to the stores and they've got all this stuff and everybody's like, oh, let's do this, let's do that. Let's let's pull out of the Ouija board. Let's let's go visit the cemetery. Let's do something scary. Let's so that you see an uptick sometimes in people having experiences because at that time you have actually more people trying to really communicate. Even though you would think everybody's doing it 24-7, 365 a year. There's a lot of people that normally 
just watch, actually participate or try to do something because they try to get scared. And every once in a while, no, more than once in a while, I take that back. They actually, like, uh, dumb luck, dumb luck. They, you, you will have these entities that are free-floating. They're discarnates who are not bound to a place, you know, as in the typical haunted house. And all they're looking for is exactly that somebody reaching out to them trying to communicate and if you have one sensitive amongst you or anybody that's got some type of their medium that's it you know you you get connected so yeah that that there's more it's just because more people are thinking about it and actually trying attempting it uh which you have to uh, I, you know i i'm not i don't like to be a fear monger but you have to be really careful sometimes with that because what you're going to get is a discarnate which has not how can i say it? it's it's low level it's low vibration which means it's problem it's a problem whether it's you're talking a regular human soul that's just lost confused missed the turn off for the uh the tunnel the tunnel of light thing or something truly malevolent that's not human uh that by the way that that attempt at communication to them is the invite that they need. Okay. Because to us, we think of an invite as you're cordially invited to. They will take the invite as either attempts of communication, uh, confrontation, provocation. This to them is like, oh, you're giving me the green light? Okay, here we go. Uh, so you have to, that's why sometimes People, when they do this, especially when they try the, the communication through different methods, they got to be really careful. Or when they go to cemeteries and there's stuff lurking in cemeteries, not only the obvious, which is this is where dead people are buried, but because you'd see a lot, people are would be surprised how many rituals or spell work items are tossed inside cemeteries. Or you, if you are having somebody that's harnessing a discarnate for uh, divination purposes, at one point if they want to get rid of them, they'll leave them at a cemetery. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that you can find at a cemetery. That's not what everybody thinks. Of course, you know, the people that are buried there. Uh, you have something called cent cemetery sentinels. Again, you know, people around Halloween time, this is like, well, what should we do? Oh, let's go visit the cemetery. And that's sometimes where they run into a problem. Well, that's I, I personally believe cemeteries are the most peaceful places I visit. But you're right. People go there and do all sorts of things for whatever reason. I guess it's just probably because, you know, they believe it has a special power. And, and anyways, um, well, you know, I, what? I, the, 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 you could you could. Well, this is South Florida, which is there's a lot of the I right now I could. About every time, I want to say 90% of the times I've been to a cemetery for whatever reason, I have found some type of ritual item or dead animal on cemetery grounds. Which is ritual work. I found that. Yeah. And they, but, and if you think it's coincidental that they chuck that in the cemetery, no, it's not. No, it's not. But it's it's horrible. They need to, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, take, yeah, yeah. Clean up their mess. Well, yeah, but what what goes out comes out comes back. So whatever. Exactly. Yeah, but yeah, you do find that a lot. And um, of course, so, that'd be awkward one day waking up and finding a bunch of stuff, dead stuff in your yard. Well, you know what? It's it's that's why I'm saying sometimes people think of the cemetery as being just like you said. Well, rest in peace. This is the place where people are laid to rest, and uh, 
you're not. But there, the, the thing is that sometimes it's uh, used for other things, uh, and sometimes what's in that. And I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you a short story. Um, one time I had uh, uh, one of my son's girlfriends. She lived when she was like a teenager, very young. As a matter of fact, I want to say maybe before she was a teenager. They lived across the street from a really old cemetery here in Miami. Okay, and you know the cemetery wall was there. You would cross the street, and they lived at a house right there. And it was she lived there with her mom, her uh, her grandparents, and she was the oldest of four sisters. And her dad was a trucker, so he spent a lot of time, you know, away from home because he was traveling. So she says that <clears throat> because they were kind of short on space, all four girls would sleep in that one bedroom. And she tells me, she said, I think I want to say she maybe she was around eleven or twelve. She was the oldest of the four. They said they kept hearing noises in the closet, okay. And every once in a while, the closet door would swing open. And they could still hear stuff like being moved around. That like they were ha the four girls were really having a hard time sleeping in this room. But anyway, she says that one night she's sleeping, and she says that the way the bedroom door was angled, it would you know you know when you could see the hallway that leads up to your bedroom, and she says that it was she wakes up and there's some ambient lighting coming through, and she says she sees something. She wakes up and she sees something coming down the hallway, but really close to the floor. Okay, and she said that somehow in her mind, she's thinking, is that my dad trying to scare me? You know, like one of these things like, you know, when you're like, and she says as it gets closer, she's realizing it's got, it's like a human skeletal face, but this thing is walking on all fours, but very low to the ground. Okay, but she says that as this walk, she says that she sees it coming down the hallway. She, at first, she can't make out what it is and it's getting closer. She's like, thinking you know like i guess as a child you're kind of wigging out just like an adult would be like how can that be and she says we didn't have a pet we didn't have a dog nothing none of the above and it turns out that it was something that she says was like a man like a skeletal face but at the same time walking crouched down with its joints at an impossible angle in other words she says of course she starts screaming and then of course everybody wakes up everybody runs in you know what happened and she says it was a rental. They they moved out the, out of there for like uh, pretty soon afterwards. And then later on, they uh, her grandfather had you know had struck up already a friendship with some of the neighbors who lived you know lived in the adjoining houses. And turns out that that house they would have renters come and go frequently, and that a lot of the people because this was an older neighborhood in Miami, uh, just about every property that ran along the the perimeter across the street from the cemetery would either if it was a rental they would have a steady come and go same thing with sales of houses so again you know you have that bleeding off of what happens or what's done in cemetery grounds it is just remarkable though okay so <clears throat> excuse me we've dan we've danced around reality tv show tonight and I, I guess I'm going to ask just one question, so everybody listening can understand there's one question coming about this. And it's probably not the question most people are looking for, but we're going to ask it anyways. Um, Zach Baggins in the Demon House, do you believe he did the right thing by tearing that house down? Mm. I want to say yes. 
Yes. Um, I, I mean, it was all, because I think about, okay, he bought the property. Okay. If he would have left it standing, I think that maybe what he was trying to avoid was it being coming, you know, being a problem for the neighbors or for, you know, people doing weird stuff or just, just congregating and running over it. Because I'm thinking, I might be wrong, but what are the chances are who would want to rent it? Or if somebody rented it, what were their purposes? And then it would have probably have people tramping all over the place. And, and part of me wants to say, would it have been great to be able to investigate it, considering that according to him, it was a very dark entity in there? Or was it, hey, I'm going to do these neighbors a favor and I'm going to demolish this thing so that they're not here suffering because this house now is infamous yeah there would have been a lot of crazy activity people have been breaking into it just because oh yeah yes yes just because okay so let's talk about the books real quick before mm -hmm. i shoot you out of here you've got oh i i looked at this and then i said some of them were coming and I think some are, isn't there one coming out soon or just out? Right. Yeah. Like, I have a, I have a, my first three books are nonfiction, which is the uh, haunted history of the old West wicked ladies. And I put out another one, which is, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a fiction. It's a lady in the blue kimono film noir murders. This was because I did a lot of research. I found it's like a, a list of uh, barely known, but uh, truthful uh, murder cases that happened around the times of the 20s, 30s, and 40s. And then this last one I did, which is Supernatural Safety, which is that I give DIY advice for people that are experiencing some type of paranormal paranormal events as to what they can do themselves. And in some cases, this is beyond you. You know, stop right there and you need to get somebody to help you. Clergy, a paranormal group. But but there's other stuff that you can do, and that's what that paranormal, uh, that supernatural safety book is about. And now about to release another one. This is my first fiction book, which is Walker Between the Worlds. Uh, and that's like a supernatural dark fantasy that uh, it's, it's probably, I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be released uh, probably, I think it was October 17th is the date that it's set to go. Well, it said, send me an email here this week, and I'll get you a date in October, and we'll have you back to talk oh, about it. We'll light this, light this all up again. Because yes. I feel this conversation is far from finished, and I also feel that even if I kept you on for the next 20-ish minutes, that the conversation wouldn't be finished then either. So let's just put a nice little... Oh, give me give me your website real quick before I it's, do uh, hang up on you. You can go to MarlenePardo.com or MiamiGhostChronicles.com. Either one has all the information about the shows, about the books about everything because i feel there's a lot on the table we didn't i mean we didn't even get into any of the um there's a lot of stories like we ran across and i'm sure there's some more that we can run across and get into oh yeah so yes i feel good about that yes. so maybe we can have a jim and marlene story time yeah we'll do that again um maybe, maybe. <laughs> As fun as that was, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing because I normally, you know, there's times I just kind of just ask the next question and don't go to that into the interjection mode. So I don't know. Must must be good tonight. So, hey, but uh, thank you again for um, allowing me this little bit of flexibility tonight. And then, like I said, we'll get you back, and I'm sure we'll have. I have. I still have other questions on my sheet. So my prep work is probably done, and we'll talk about the book as well. Fantastic! It was my pleasure. Thank you so much.
and that's Marlene. Well, guys, I hope you enjoy that interview, even though it was short and he had told me because he's going to take some calls um, on his open lines. Uh, so, yeah, that was kind of an off-the-cuff interview, and I hope you guys enjoy it. And you're going to come back and look at, listen to my podcast, Stories of the Supernatural, or if you're into the uh, older stories uh, from weird tales, things like that, uh, turn of the century Victoriana, that's on Nightshade Diary, and then Supernatural Storytime, those are the more modern uh, stories that people, some you know, that many of them, like I said, I've collected throughout the years. People send me stories or just like they grab you and they talk to you about it. Uh, and of course, you know, if it's something really short, like what he taught, what he described when this man came up to her, up to him and started talking about seeing his wife. But, you know, you know, as far as the formatting, I usually needed stories that had a little bit more meat to them to include them in supernatural story time. But anyway, guys, I hope you enjoy it. Take care. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row. Proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network. Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined. Not specific to 5G networks. It's in our design. The force. The will to move forward. The voice calling us to do things no one thought possible. And at Johns Hopkins Medicine, we are listening. Creating blood tests that detect cancer. New treatments to reduce damage from heart attacks. New ways to help the next family who needs us. So we imagine and we care. Not just for us, but for all of us. Johns Hopkins Medicine. Forward for all of us.